Welcome back to another episode of Trip Report. I figured it was probably best just to put out part two of the first ayahuasca experience because it wouldn't make sense to break it up with an interview podcast. So with this one, we'll drop into night two of my first ayahuasca ceremony. We left off on the last one where I had experienced a weird vision of getting in a fight with the neighbor kid and it left me kind of confused, not knowing what was going on. And then ceremony came to an end and I went out in the car to watch the stars. I should have read my journal previously before putting that podcast out because what I did realize is that it wasn't that first night when I saw that vision, there wasn't any emotion attached to it. It was just seeing that I was in a fight, which was bizarre, but I didn't have any of the, the internal feelings associated with it on night one. So after decompressing in the car, watching the stars, I would guess that I passed out around 12.30, 1 a.m., something like that. And then I woke up at 5 a.m. feeling absolutely restored, wide awake. There was no way I could put myself back to bed if I wanted to. And I'm a stickler for sleep, so it was kind of odd to only have gotten about four hours of sleep and still be good. But that gave me the idea to track my sleep in the next weekend that I did it to see what the sleep was actually doing whenever I was in the ayahuasca ceremony. And it was actually pretty fascinating. I'll detail it in the weekend of ceremonies three and four. So I woke up and they said the share circle was at 9am. So I had some time to kill just waiting for everybody else to wake up and get together. And I had fasted for 24 hours prior to the first ayahuasca night. So Thursday dinner was the last time I had eaten. And then I fasted all day Friday before the ceremony. And then it, I still wanted to be sure that if I did purge, that it wasn't anything that was in my stomach or the ayahuasca, that it was the trauma itself. So I chose to continue fasting through Saturday while other people were, you know, doing breakfast and all that sort of thing. So I just took some time to journal and decompress to kind of distract myself from, from having breakfast. And then I met up with everybody at 9am. So Although I had that very bizarre experience with the mental flash of being in a fight, I really felt like night one was just overpriced mushrooms. It was this, pretty much the same visions. And then even the messages that came through were basically just a reiteration of what I had experienced in the LSD trip a year prior. So I kind of thought to myself, if night two is any different, I'm probably one and done with this stuff. I don't think that it's even necessary whenever you have access to psilocybin or LSD or something like that. So I read my journal and what I'd put in the following morning was night one was truly no big deal, easy street. I said, that being said, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about this evening. Part of me wants to purge as it will guarantee it's really trauma and not just poison. But after seeing everyone struggle so hard last night, I'm not particularly looking forward to that. However, I came here to purge trauma. No growth comes without discomfort, and I would like to leave here tomorrow feeling like I got some work done. So the 9 a.m. share circle gets together, and it was powerful, powerful stuff. It was one by one, they went around the room, and everybody was just sharing the most horrific things that they had encountered the night before. It really put into context all of the screaming, crying, vomiting, and everything else that I heard everybody going through. So it got to me, and honestly, I didn't feel like I had much to share or that my problems were even relevant to what everybody else had gone through. But I still explained what I had encountered. And the fascinating piece was that everyone else seemed to have encountered this ayahuasca entity, whether you call her grandmother or mother or whatever it was. They all said that there was this female presence that was there that kind of guided them through their ceremony. And I had none of that, which seemed odd. 
So the circle wraps up, everyone goes their own way. And to distract myself from the hunger so I can continue to fast throughout the day, I just decided to go out on a hike. We were up in Idlewild in the mountains. So I just took a couple of trails and headed off and appreciated the nature that the mountains had to offer. So it was the same setup for night two. There was no need for ground rules beforehand because everybody had already been there and experienced that. And I think we started at 6 p.m. this time, so a little closer to dusk. This time, she hands the cups out, you know, addressing the doses based on what was experienced last night. And what it looked like was a lot of people were getting lower doses, but mine appeared to be the same. And I think it was because I didn't go that deep or I didn't really have anything until the second cup the night before. So she pours the second cup, do the same thing. We go around the room, state our intentions, our blessings, whatever, and everybody knocks back the cup. And this time... It wasn't as pleasant as it was the day before. Even just the smell hitting my nose, I shuddered at how disgusting it was. I have to guess that, you know, my body, having gone through what it experienced while being on ayahuasca, programmed something in there saying like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, or is this poison, or we don't want this in our system again. And it was like, I almost had to choke it down the second day, and everybody else had the same reaction, just, you know, fighting to get through it. There was nobody enjoying it at that point. And even for the next like five minutes after I'd taken a few swigs of water and washed it out of my mouth, if I would even think of that taste, I would just shudder again in disgust. So the first cup's in and they do the same thing again. The 15 minute silent meditation, they bring in the music and start the ceremony. I sat there for probably two hours and absolutely nothing happened. So I was pretty bummed because the first night, at least there were some very mild visions coming in, but there was absolutely nothing. And I'm looking around and everybody's falling deep into it again. All the purging, all the crying, all the screaming, it's going on again. And I'm just questioning like, what, why is this not hitting me the same way it hits everybody else? Am I just, do, if it's because I've done more psychedelics than the average person prior to this, so my body has built up some sort of tolerance to this stuff. I mean, I had no idea. So... I just sat back and honestly enjoyed the music. They were just going through and they were playing different songs from night one. And so I was just sitting back enjoying it. And at some point she said, okay, it's time to offer the second cup. So I jumped up, made sure I was first in line because there was nothing happening for me. So I sat down, explained to her that still wasn't feeling anything. She poured me another cup that I would say was probably just about as full as the first one. And I slammed that, went back to my mat. Still another 15 minutes went by and I wasn't feeling anything. So I grabbed my journal and I wrote down, eh, it's looking like a repeat of last night. It said, I'm starting to align with Hamilton Morris's belief that these chemicals are just psychedelic drugs that temporarily alter brain chemistry and there's nothing spiritual about this. And I said, it's not a bad thing. They can certainly realign negative behavior trends. So I closed the journal, set it aside, and it became clear rather quickly that I had just tempted fate. The visions began to roll in. They were much more vivid than the night before, and the body load came in really heavy. Again, I was super annoyed that I didn't have a more comfortable setup. While I was observing the visions, I quickly saw a flash of what looked like a blue woman, but it was literally for only a second. I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if this is that female ayahuasca entity that everybody saw last night. And as soon as I thought that, I saw another slightly different visual of a blue woman, very much like the characters in the movie Avatar, but it quickly faded. I thought, hmm, maybe that was her. And then this very bizarre triangular headed entity with a triangular red eye, it was something that you would see that looked like it was out of an 8-bit Nintendo game, but it came to the surface of the visions as if it like 
broke through the vision and into my space and it held there. And the message that came through was something along the lines of like, yeah, it's me, dummy. How many different ways do I have to show myself for you to recognize me? And it said, I'm not only here for you for this ayahuasca experience, but I've been there for you on every single journey you've ever been on. I had goosebumps just having that message come through. And it asked, so you're back. I'm here. What do you need help with? So the first thing that popped in my head was, well, let's start with that weird fight vision that I had last night. And then all of the darkness started to pour in. All of that uncomfortable feeling in my body that started to roll back in heavy again. And it seemed to unlock the whole story for me. And what it was, was it was a few hours before one of my childhood birthday parties. And I had had, you know, the clothes that I was super ready to wear, you know, dressed for the party, excited for, you know, the couple hours to pass until all the friends started showing up. And I was hanging out in the backyard when the next door neighbor, a few years younger, came up to me with the hose and had threatened to spray me. I had asked him not to do it as, you know, I was dressed to impress, but he pulled the trigger anyway. When the water hit me, I just, I simply snapped like the anger, the rage, seeing red. It was, this is when I experienced, re-experienced all of those feelings. And like I said, it was scary. It was, I've never in my adult life had that level of rage, anger, all of it just came pouring out. And the, when it came out, I mean, the neighbor kid, he knew it, he saw what he had done. And so he started to run away and I chased him down. I threw him on the ground and then I just started stomping him in anger. And again, this is like so crazy to think of this all going down the way that it did, especially that I don't remember something that seemed so traumatic. So clearly our moms had both heard what was going on and started yelling, screaming out the back window for me to stop. And luckily that was enough to snap me out of it. And I just walked away fuming. So this is all over water, nothing that could stain the clothes that I was wearing. I could have thrown them in the dryer. I could have, I mean, it was a summer day. I could have just stood out there and dried off quickly, but somehow it just, I snapped and I was wondering why, like, this doesn't make any sense. Why I would have so much anger and hate and just everything associated with being sprayed with a hose. And then immediately I flashed back to this memory of myself as an overweight young kid standing in front of a mirror. And I'm just punching myself in the stomach because I was so ashamed of my weight. And again, something I had no memory of. I can't tell you what age this even was. But the message that came through was that no one had ever called me fat or made fun of me for my weight or anything along those lines. But I had become my own worst enemy back then, just sliding all of the... I, I was insulting myself. I was the one that put myself down and it just stuck. And I just kept burying this anger and sadness and everything else for years. And the mother figure explained to me that I was so full of rage from these years of self-loathing and lack of self-confidence and all that sort of thing that I was just burying and, and building up all of that hatred that I was just bound to snap sooner or later. It was only a matter of time. And what it had said was, you know, it's a bummer that was at his expense, but it was it, you couldn't fit any more in. I was just at my breaking point and it was that one little task that caused me to snap and freak out like that. And so, you know, it's, it's a huge bummer and I, I feel so bad about it. And I think, you know, if this put this level of trauma in me, what level of trauma is stuck in him that he may be dealing with these days that, you know, it was just a bummer to even think about. So 
it started to show me just all of these different memories throughout my adolescent years where I was my own worst enemy, putting myself down. I was seeing all of the moments of shame, like being on little league baseball teams and thinking that I was the worst person there and that I was the one keeping that team from winning, just putting all of this burden on my shoulders. And as I was thinking about this and seeing all these and reliving all these moments, the nausea was just building and building and building. And then it eventually became the point where it was just unbearable. And I got up to the front of the mat, got over the bucket, and it was just straight exorcist style vomiting. Mind you, I didn't, like I said, I was completely fasted from Thursday night. So I had zero food in my system. All I had was some water and then the ayahuasca. And I sat through the entire first cup of ayahuasca with nothing. But now that this had hit, it was very clear to me that what was coming up was trauma. It was not ayahuasca. It was not food poisoning. It was not just a disagreement with these plants with my stomach. And I'm telling you, exorcist style vomiting, like splashing back from the bucket. They swapped the bucket twice, I think, and it was just still coming. And then I had a break and the voice said to me, that's not you anymore. It's time to love yourself. You need to let that shit go. And so it came back up, started vomiting again. And I just laid there over the bucket and was just dry heaving and discomfort. It was like, I couldn't get out what was stuck inside of me. And finally the nausea began to subside a little bit. And one of the facilitators came over near my mat and she started singing and her voice just sounded absolutely angelic. I mean, she crushed it the night before and was crushing it up to this point, but it went up to some new level that I hadn't experienced yet. And I was so in tune with sounds and music and everything else that it truly sounded like she was singing directly in my ear. So I had even stopped for a second with the, the vomiting and being over the bucket to look up and see where she was. And she was a good, maybe 10 feet away, but I was just so tuned in and it was like directed at me that it sounded like she was singing directly into my ear. And as soon as that voice hit me, I got the image of the blue woman again. And she had said to me, great job, but you're not done yet. And the nausea immediately came back super heavy, straight over the bucket, right back to the exorcist style puking. So like I said, clearly this was attached to trauma in some way. So after a few more purges, the nausea finally subsided and the message came through. It said, you did it. I'm so proud of you. And I laid back on the mat and I was in pure comfort and bliss. I was like, I melted into that yoga mat on the ground, that same yoga mat that I had been so pissed off for the past few nights, thinking that I didn't pack right for this. And that's when it came through to me, it wasn't the yoga mat that was uncomfortable, it was you being uncomfortable in your own body that was the problem. So crazy. The ceremony ends, the facilitator tells everybody start sipping water, we're calling it, and I laid there for about 30 minutes, just kind of unwinding and unpacking from the experience. And I decided to go back out to the car to watch the stars again. I got settled into the car, uh, got the music started. And as soon as I looked out that back window again, ready to look at the stars, I saw a shooting star just streak across the sky. So I was like, yeah, that's probably not a coincidence, but that, that's kind of trippy. So close my eyes and see if I could dive back into that realm a little bit. And I got a message from the woman again saying, I'm so proud of the work that you did. And now it's time to enjoy yourself. And the music started to come in really heavy. Like even again, I'm on my normal 
psychedelic playlist, but it comes in like next level, better than it's ever been on mushrooms, better than it's ever been on LSD. And the music just sounded amazing. So out of nowhere, like when I closed the eyes, it was initially just black. And from the darkness came this, I don't even know how to explain it. Just this unbelievably like the super trippy geometric object came forward and it was just covered in patterns and super bizarre. And the thing it asked me, what do you think about this? And I thought to myself, that's fucking awesome. And it faded out. And then a new, even crazier object came into view. And the voice asked, well, what about this one? And I said, that's even cooler than the first one. And we continued to go back and forth with this exchange. It just kept showing me these weird psychedelic DMT objects or artifacts, whatever you want to call them, and asking me, what do you think? And I was like, pretty cool. And we just kept going back and forth for probably about a half a dozen times. And then the last one faded out to the darkness, the music returned to normal, and the the wave of tired came over me and I knew it was time to go to bed. So I took the headphones out and I think I just passed out immediately. So the takeaways that I journaled from the morning were pretty basic, but still profound. And what it was, was that my parents are just amazing. And I'm so grateful that they are the ones that brought me into this life in this incarnation. And then the other one was just that I need to love myself. It said that you are not this overweight, timid child that you once were, and you're done with that. And I do feel like I got most of that at least the very strong underlying negative self image that I had came out that day. And I think that it changed my life forever. The other thing that I journaled after that, I was actually reading the book, same soul, many bodies that weekend, which I highly recommend if anybody hasn't read them. The, the first one is many lives, many masters. And that is the best book that I think I've read in my entire life. But one of the sequels to that book was same soul, many bodies. And one of the quotes that came out of that that was so fitting for the experience was when we understand our negative impulses and can see where they originated in ourselves, we can let go of them. When we do, self-esteem increases and we are able to see ourselves more favorably. If there's one thing I read that weekend that fit more than anything with my ayahuasca experience, that was it. So I honestly don't even remember writing this quote down. So it's cool. I highly recommend everybody journal every single experience you have because it's great to be able to reflect back and pick up on these little pieces of things that are so relevant at the time that you may just lose track of. So again, woke up at 5 a.m. feeling like a new person, just a hard reset. Um, I hung out, journaled unpacked everything and just getting prepped for that integration circle again. Again, they go around the room and people are sharing the most personal and difficult situations. I had already journaled everything about my experience from the night before, but I still think like in my mind, I still felt like it wasn't that profound compared to like the horrific stuff that everybody else was sharing. But I thought to myself, you know, if these people are really laying it all on the line, the way that they are, who am I to censor or hold back on any of the things that I encountered myself last night? And I started to explain when it was my turn, what I had gone through and I broke. I mean, I was full blown, ugly crying in a way that I had not done since I was a young, young child. And I could barely get through the experience, just choked up, you know, couldn't get my words out and people were handing me tissues, obviously having empathy for me and everything else. And it was like, Honestly, it was a little bit embarrassing because, you know, I'm this six foot four covered in tattoos, former Marine, and I'm just broke down crying in front of all these people because 
when I was young, I didn't like myself or I you know, honestly lived my whole life, not happy with what I saw in the mirror. And when that came out, like I said, it was just honestly, those tears that came out during that integration circle, I think I purged as much trauma with getting that out as I did through the vomiting the night before. I think it's so important that once you encounter these traumas or dig up these demons that you vocalize them and get them out there. Because if you just bring them to the surface and you don't talk about them, you just bury that shit right back down. And I don't think that that's, you know, if you're going to do the work to get them to the surface, get them out. Like don't let them be there anymore. So the share circle wraps up. Everyone says their goodbyes and they hit the road on the drive home. I called my dad and I explained to him, I don't even know if I had told him I was going to do ayahuasca that weekend. And I know my parents are a little kind of on the fence whenever I explain that I'm doing these things anyway, because coming up in a you know religious household, I know that there can be some negative, you know, just because of all the stigma out there, there's this whole, oh, he's doing drugs. Is this okay? Kind of thing. And I explained to him what I had just done throughout the weekend and everything that I had unpacked. And I said to him, do you remember anything about me getting in a fight with the kid next door and he said no not at all and so that really threw me off because i'm like did all this stuff that i just unpack was that not even real like what is it really threw me into confusion now because i'm like if this i thought this was a suppressed memory but now it might just be something that it made up is like a metaphor to explain to me that i needed to clear the self-hatred from my system. So I said, you know what, please just go ask mom, see if she knows anything about it. And I hear him go call out the back window. And he said, Hey, do you remember anything about Sean and us canceling his birthday party because he got in a fight with Brian next door? And she said, yes. And mind you, at this point, I had already thought to myself, even though it was so traumatic having my birthday party canceled as a punishment for this, I had surrendered to the fact like my parents did the right thing because it was not acceptable for me to have this outburst in the way that I did. And so he asks her, do you remember canceling his birthday party because of a fight with the kid next door? And she said, yes. And I've regretted that every day of my life since then. And it was just mind blowing to me to hear that in the background because, you know, I had come to the point of, okay, I've dealt with it. It's, it's fine. They did the right thing. And I hear, you know, this was very traumatic for my mom to cancel her son's birthday party because of maybe she knew the reason that I snapped, or maybe she could sense why I had so much anger inside of me. But, you know, again, this is one of the reasons that I just had journaled afterwards that I had the greatest parents. I have the most loving mother that a guy could have. And so just hilarious that, you know, this is so traumatic to her and this is so traumatic to me and to my dad. It was just no, so nonchalant. He doesn't even remember it. And she chimed back in afterwards and said, it was your idea to cancel his birthday party. I blame you for it. So I had to like, I had to laugh and I think he chuckled too. And it was, you know, it's, it's, that's why these things are so powerful is because we can look back on it now and laugh from a third person perspective kind of thing. Whereas before you can do that, that trauma is just stuck inside of you. And every time you relive it, if you can't even relive it, or it's just stuck in there causing problems, then you can't really let it go until you can have this third person perspective. And I think that's why MDMA is so powerful, which we'll talk about in the next episode is because it kind of unlocks this way to talk about things that you normally wouldn't either a be able to bring to the surface or comfortably be able to discuss. So I wrap up with him. 
surprisingly, I got through the whole explanation to him without choking up at all. It was nothing like sharing at the share circle and explained it to him, told him I loved him and got back to the house. So I came in and my girlfriend was sitting down and, you know, clearly eager to know what had happened because this is my first ayahuasca experience and she hadn't done it herself. And she asked what I encountered and I explained night one and then I got into night two and started to explain what I went through and it all came again. Like I all, I got choked up and broke down crying, full blown, sloppy, ugly crying again, could barely get through the story. And she was super supportive and loving, but it just showed me that I had to keep getting this out. Like it was just saying it once in that group setting wasn't enough. There was still something stuck there. And then on the phone with my dad, interesting that it didn't really hit that point then. And I have to wonder if it makes sense for these things to be shared in person or that human beings have more empathy or you're more willing to share when there's somebody else in the room versus talking to somebody on a phone, because if you think of, you know, us as a human species, it wasn't that long ago that you couldn't talk to somebody on a phone. The only way you could share with somebody was face to face. So I think there's something powerful about that. But what it showed me was that integration is everything. So after a journey, you need to make sure that you have somebody you can talk to, whether it's a close friend or family member, hopefully somebody that's open enough for you to share whatever you need to say to them without any judgment. If you can't find somebody like that or there's no one you feel like you can share with there's there's local integration groups everywhere some are on zoom some are in person but you can find those and there are also the hotlines like we've mentioned previously with fireside chat so you can talk to somebody on the phone at least try to get these things out again i don't know if they're going to be as powerful over a phone than it is in person but it's definitely better than bottling it up and burying it again to only have to dig this shit back up and i think the other option is you can look for a therapist that is open to these kinds of therapy and willing to hear you out. I currently have a therapist through the VA who doesn't think anything matters unless it's FDA approved and he's completely against all things psychedelic. And that's not the person you want to be with. Like you need to find somebody who's done the research, seen the benefit and is willing to hear you out on the things that you unpacked because there's a reason that they say these things are the equivalent of 20 years of psychotherapy in one session because I unpacked so much that I would have probably never shared with this guy or he would have never even be able to get to the core of these issues that I was having because I didn't even know they were there. So how could he have dug it up without something like hypnosis or something along those lines? So if you don't have a friend or family member or can't find a in-person integration group, just find whoever you can to talk through this with because integration is everything. So night two, it was, I mean, it was absolutely life-changing. It was probably the most impactful experience that I've had in terms of taking that weight off of my chest and allowing me to be me in this world. And if I had only gone on the first night, I would have just left disappointed and confused. It would have, I would have completely written ayahuasca off and probably told other people like, ah, it's not worth your money. Like just do mushrooms. It's the same thing. And so I really suggest that if you have the option to go somewhere and do the weekend or the week that you do experience it more than once, because I've heard other people say too, that the first ayahuasca experience can be just an introduction so you can get comfortable with the medicine and that it's only the next few where things start to open up for you. And that was a hundred percent the case with me. So just keep that in mind. If you did ayahuasca once and you didn't think it was that profound, that there are still more doors that it's capable of unlocking. So that's it. That's my first ayahuasca weekend. Uh, just absolutely profound, unbelievable, you know, life-changing experience. 
I, you know, I'm not the type of person that tells everybody they should do this, but it, I think is capable of healing so many different things. And uh, I mean, a great book is the fellowship of the river. And it's about a medical doctor who, while he was in medical school, found somebody who had been traveling to and from Peru to do ayahuasca. And he found out about all of these things that were in traditional medical school that were considered chronic diseases that had no cure for, but people who were going to the jungle were completely curing these diseases. So it was just, you know, it seems like miracles, but if you want to play the miracle game and you want to play the religion game, I do think that these plant medicines are a connection to the divine. I mean, I don't know who that blue lady was, but she clearly had my best interest at heart. And if you want to talk about what a God is, I would guess that that's what she is or an angel or something like that and helped me to live a better life. So like I said, I can't tell everybody you should do this, but if you're really struggling and some of the other lower dose things or other plant medicines have not been helpful to you, this, this might be an option, but yeah, I'll wrap it up there. I flipped ahead in my journal and actually the next solo cast that I'm going to be doing is my experience with cannabis assisted psychotherapy. That one was pretty interesting. Um, in the meantime, like I said, I, I do have somebody coming over tomorrow to record a episode on psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. And this one I think will be pretty powerful. So until then, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate everybody who listens to this. Take care. Love you.